Well, just so you know, we got another full week. <laughs> I was going to say we're almost done, but we're not. You know, we had a session one, for those, most of you, many of you were here, of our interview with Francis and Andy. Now, this is session two, so we're going to pick up where we left off. But some of you that are just tuning into this, you want to hear the first one if you want to. I just wanted to make it available to you. So the first thing I want to do is I want to surprise your wife, Lisa, and have her come up and say something. Would she mind? <laughs> Lisa, come up here. Everyone needs to see you. Come on. Come on up there. At least I asked Francis if you would mind just now. <laughs> so, question. Again, let's get your breath for one second. Okay. Okay, the second's up. Uh, <laughs> What do you think about this guy? <laughs> Give me the funny and the serious. A couple of a sentence or two each direction. I'm really not a funny person. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, him being funny. I know, he about is his funny. Funniness. Yes, he but is funny. First of all, my heart is racing really fast right now. So. You've been married 27 years. <laughs> yes, we you have. You have seven children. Yes, we do. We have two grandchildren. Um, and you're very happy? I'm so happy. <laughs> no, the reason I saw her on a video saying I'm happy, so she knows the video, so I'm playing off of that. I'm giving you five more seconds. You know, you. You're catch so your kind. Breath. You're so kind. Uh, let's see. Um, Tell me about him. Just a little bit about him. <laughs> Francis is, uh, I mean, from the very beginning, when I was 20 years old when we met, and... Uh, well, this is serious, sorry, oh, no. but he was just so, I would hear him talk about the Lord and his reverence for the word of God really impacted me. I grew up in the church, um, but it was just different. So he has impacted me and discipled me through all our years of marriage in really profound ways. And I actually even recently told one of my daughters that the thing I'm most thankful for is his eternal mindset, like he keeps our home really focused on who we are here for, why we are here, the kingdom of God. So I'm so grateful for that, even though there's moments where I'm like, can we just relax for a second? Um, <laughs> but I am, I wouldn't have it any other way, truly. So, and then on the other hand, yes, he keeps our family constantly laughing. Um, he's constantly coming up with competitions and just ridiculous things. Give me things. one family competition, just one. Okay, well, the first one that just pops into my head was when we were, this was only when we had like two or three kids, but we were in the snow and all we had in the car was a pack of Girl Scout Thin Mints. So he's like, everybody out of the car, I'm gonna throw a Thin Mint into the snow and whoever finds it first wins and gets to eat it. So it's like, ready, go, you know? And <laughs> it's just stuff like that all the time. Just constant little <laughs> yes. games like that. Yes. So it's very fun. It's very fun living with him. And so here's what I say to Francis like a month ago. I go, hey, Francis, you're bringing your family. You've got seven kids. You're coming here. Uh, we're going to have free time for you. We got these things in the city. We got this and this and this and this and this. He goes, I don't think you get it. We're not coming for vacation. If we're going to do vacation, we're not doing it in Kansas City. <laughs> he goes... Well, he didn't exactly say it that way. That's how I heard it. Anyway, 
He said, we are coming not to play and go around the city. We're coming to encounter God, to be in meetings, to be in the prayer room, to get prayed for. That's why we're coming. I said, I like this guy. So what do you think about that statement? That's the real him, isn't it? Yes, for sure. And I'm so excited for, I think my six-year-old is one of the most spiritually minded little guys. And I can't wait to see what impact your church body has on him in this little signs and wonder camp. And, you know, last night I really was drawn to Sierra in the front row. I just met her last night, but I thought before we even started, I thought, I want to ask that young woman to pray for me because she's so filled with faith. And then after when, when you asked everyone uh, to pray, she came over to me, and I was like, I wanted you to pray for me. And so just, yeah, I'm just so blessed. We really do just want to receive everything that the Lord has. And so your people are awesome. Our little, we got six grandchildren, but our 10-year-old grandson went to the camp. And so somebody called, called us and said, he's crying. He's crying at every meeting. And he's just, da, 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 da. And, and so we said, well, you know, don't embarrass him. He goes, not embarrassed. He's crying in front of all of his friends. So I talked to him and he says, Grandpa, I'm going for God again. And I go, you're going for God again? Because we, even in one of our fasting times some, a, a year ago, he goes, I'm going for God again. Because that, that's his deal. I go, well, what have you been doing in between? Too much sports, but I'm going for God again. <laughs> So I said, that's good, but sports are good too. And he goes, nope, all the way. And so, so that little camp touched him, not, not the little camp, the touch camp, the, the camp touched the little people. And so I really like that. So give me something on her. Um, are you nervous? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> My heart is racing. Um, no, you know... I can't say enough about my wife. Um, I mean, when we got married, or when I first heard about her, you know, she was a former Miss Teen California. Uh, yes. We have phenomenal singer. Mention that. Unbelievable singer. Like, I, I didn't even know who she was. Suddenly, this woman shows up at this church I'm working at, and she's singing on this stage. And Teenage America or whatever. Yeah, and a bunch of us, you know, college-age guys are looking down like, what the heck? just walked into our church, you know? And I jokingly, completely sarcastically look at them and go, she'll be mine. You know, like, cause there was no chance. I'm this balding Chinese, you know, like wannabe pastor. And here's like, you know, this, it was just clearly out of my league. That's why we laughed about it. Like, yeah, yeah, right. It was that obvious. Yeah, it was that obvious to everyone. Um, and so just, but then I thought, I'm just going to go for it. You know, I, I'm just going to try. And so just blew my mind that she would go out with me. And, and so it's been like that all of this time. And I can honestly say after 27 years of marriage, like I still, even these last couple of weeks, I'm thanking God, you know, like, God, I can't believe what you've given me and how you've years. blessed me. Yeah, the way that she, because we're both very strong people and yet under her understanding of scripture, she's like, I want to be this woman that I read about in scripture that can actually support what you do. And so even when uh, she was offered this, you know, record contract, that we had records back then, you know, and uh, which was her childhood dream was to, you know, overtake Amy Grant. That, uh, and she could have, 
She could have. I, I, I'm convinced of that. But that's right when I was starting the church, and she said, no, this will take us in two different directions. And I'm like, no, 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 no. She goes, no, it'll take us in two different directions. Whatever God has called you to, I want to come under that, and God will have me do it. You know, it's like that's the way it started um, with that type of humility that God put on her heart. And so there was no way I would be up doing any of this without her in my life. That is, That was the turning point of me. Everything I did failed. You got to understand that. Um, my life was a mess in so many ways. And then when God brought Lisa into my life, it was a complete turn. And together, God has put us on this road that blows our mind where we are in tears. You know, last year, sitting in Hong Kong going, are you kidding me? There's 12 of us in Hong Kong together as a family, all of our kids, our grandkids. You know, like, this is unreal that we're serving God together in this way. And so, yeah, I, I okay, another question or two. Another question or two. I heard you on one of the videos say you are so grateful that his wife, Andy's wife, Holly, is in Lisa's life. Yes. You said... Andy's wife, Holly, she's in my wife's life, and that yes. so enriches me. So comment on that for a second, then yes. you comment on that for a second. Because Holly, your wife isn't here, yeah. but she gets here tomorrow, oh, today, yeah. but we'll tell her we're talking about her behind her back. Yeah, so Holly, what you know of Andy, Holly is just like that, but a with- A million with, times yeah, greater. And bigger arms. And She's stronger. ripped. She is ripped. She is okay, our family's uh, self-defense. Yes, yes. Serious. The if there was danger, the kids her. would be like, Dad, yeah. get to the bedroom. Mom, no. save us. I, Dad, save yourself. No. She works out a lot. It's yeah, genetics. It's She's, everything. It's ridiculous. Okay, but... Uh, um, no, but her heart for the Lord, I, I think similar stage of life, having some older kids and this and that. But it was... It's, I don't know... Whenever I really got to know Diane, uh, at, was it last year or yes, a couple yes. of years ago, whatever, and I was like, oh, I want my wife to meet you. I, you. You're so similar. It's that same type of thing that I'm so excited, you know, kind of like what she said, the fellowship. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad she gets to be with Diane and Holly this week. That was one of my highlights coming here. So mention Holly just for a moment. Mm. <clears throat> You know, you can't be around Holly and Andy and their life and the way that they love God and not be impacted. It's such an encouragement. Um, their heart for the nations, for the gospel, but also what's really unique is their heart for um, the orphans, you know, the the kids who are in the foster system who are hurting and broken and need love and need someone to be a mother to them and a father to them. And so just watching the way that they have opened their home, the way that their kids, you know, biological and now even adopted, want... Four biological to adopt. Yes, but just the way they all are just so all in for, you know, like the youngest little one that they have right now who's, what, not even two years old... And listening to the way that his kids were like, no, we have to take this little guy in. I mean, they're in tears. Andy's telling you us this the story. Yes, and even only it. the, what, eight-year-old that was, yeah. 
right? He should tell the story. But basically, it's so, (laughs) they're impacted by their parents. We're impacted by them. And so, so humble and real and just servants. So, yeah, the most precious people. We're like, are there any... Are there any other people nicer than Andy and Holly? We haven't met them yet. I'm sorry, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, when you're second or third place to him, you still get a gold medal, man. I don't think she said you're second place. (laughs) (laughs) If you're in the top hundred, (laughs) that's still good. They got magazines, top hundred Americans. The top hundred. He just assumed he was second. (laughs) I love that. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that was good. Oh, that was good. <laughs> I like this. Now, I, I got to say this last comment so that all the women in this room are at ease, okay, at ease. I called up Lisa without her knowing because I talked to Francis ahead of time. I said, hey, tell me more about your wife. And da-da-da-da, he goes, she's very good communicator. She's very clear, very bold, but she gets nervous if she has a heads up. I didn't say I was going to call you up. I just said, note yourself, got it. And so, <laughs> but am I'm not I, doing Am I dismissed to now? Is this what was leading into this? I'm dismissed? I can go sit down. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. You are now dismissed. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I just put that there. So it was a plan because I knew you would be okay is the point. And I won't do that to the other ladies, so just know that unless your husband tells me that. <laughs> what are you thinking, Isaac? That was fun. <laughs> oh, my notes. Okay. So, because I've listened to a lot of their story and watched them on YouTube, and just, I just love to take notes and pay attention and these kinds of things. Okay, so you wrote Crazy Love, a book... How many years ago? Uh, I was 40, so 14 years ago. 14 years ago. And this book just, I remember our community reading and talking about it. And it sold like 3 million copies, some incredible. It just opened doors for you that shocked you and surprised you. Why did you write that book? You know, I wrote it because I remember as a teenager, I would read this book and I'd go, this is really serious stuff. Like this, is out, like, this is all we should care about. And then I would go to church, and I'd look around, and I'd, I'd have the sense like, okay, people don't seem to be that serious about this. But I, are we reading the same book? But everyone else was kind of just, you know, oh, you don't have to get so intense. Don't, you'll burn out if you do that, and this, and this, and this. And so you start like you know, blending in a little bit. And, but I keep going, no, 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 no. This is, this is eternal. Like we could die any second. Do you know who we're standing before? Do you understand this is forever and ever? And do you understand what he did? Do you understand how crazy, you know, but it was always like, da, da, da. then it was like, oh man, do you know what's going on around the world? Like I'm watching people starve. We can't live in this crazy luxuriously, you know, calm down, calm down. Calm. Everything was this. And you start to go, maybe I'm crazy, but the more I read the scripture, it's like, no, 
there's no other way to interpret this. And so I thought, I wonder if there's other people like me that are sitting in congregations around the U.S. thinking they themselves are crazy when the reality is, no, everyone else is. If they're going to live for this world, they are insane. If they're going to tiptoe into this, they are ridiculous. And, and there's no such thing as being a lukewarm Christian. I mean, the lukewarm is the person who spit out of them. It's so clear in this passage. I need to encourage those few individuals around the U.S. that are feeling like they're the idiots. And so I'm thinking there's this small group that I want to share this with that are wondering, do we have it off? Are we that lukewarm church that's going to be spit out? I just want to encourage those few individuals so they don't feel like idiots and give up like I'm tempted to do some days. And then unbeknownst to me, there were so many people going, I've thought this. I've thought this. I've wondered this. I've always questioned even my own life. Thank you for saying what I have thought for so many years. Blew my mind. So in no way was it meant to be this, you know, best-selling book, you know. It, it was meant to be like an encouragement to say, no, you're not crazy. You are not crazy. That is so clearly biblical. I love it. We don't have to apologize for our intensity for the Lord. Yeah. We don't have to apologize. So, Andy, talk to you now. The Lord has really used you in Kona. You started this new DTS, which we would call it an internship, but it's it's three months, and then they go on a missions trip, and the uh, DTS is in, uh, in YWAM. But you did Fire and Fragrance, where you put worship and prayer and the fire of Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6, the fire of intimacy, together with the fragrance of the presence of God, in missions. Then you do circuit riders. I mean, those are two big stories. Now you're doing the send. So this assignment the Lord's given you keeps going to the next level. Tell us, we don't have time for each one of those, but they're fantastic stories. Tell us about the send. I mean, here you are leading an, I mean, a stadium event in Orlando that you've never led a big event. 60,000 people come. Then Brazil hears about it. They said, can we do one? Three stadiums in Brazil. Then Kansas City calls you. Tell us just a little bit about that. I know on Saturday you're going to tell the whole story, but give a teaser right now so we can lean into it. And if you, you don't, everyone doesn't have to come to the building Saturday. You can watch it on WebStream or even watch it on archives. But I really want to encourage everyone to hear the story whether you hear it Saturday or archive, because it's really key, but you're going to unpack a lot of that Saturday night. But give us a little teaser. Yeah, I'll share a lot more on Saturday, but, uh, you know, when we finished Orlando and we were shocked that people had come, shocked the way that God had moved, didn't really have a plan beyond Orlando, um, won't go into the whole story, but it became crystal clear that Kansas City was the next city in America. We'd already kind of set towards Brazil, you know, shortly and after. On the front end, you only wanted one event. Yeah, we're thinking Brazil one event. overtook you. You thought, well, we'll do two. Totally. And then Kansas City surprised you out of nowhere. Yes, absolutely. Surprised us out of nowhere. And I went in, I remember sitting with you for the first time, and we'd already had some pretty remarkable confirmation. But uh, I went into that meeting going, man, I know the cost of this now. This year lead up to Orlando was the 
hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. Hardest, most pressure I'd ever felt. Stadium Christianity, awesome! Well, my entire hometown could have fit in the field of that stadium. I was the last person who should have been leading or part of that. I've never led a conference in my life. All I've ever led is schools, and I'd rather live in the Himalayas than do a do a stadium event. So I'm totally unqualified at every level. And uh, so, yeah, I was shocked and overwhelmed, but I, I knew the cost. And so when I sat with you, this little piece was so critical to me. Flew here, for, we spent hours together with you and some and of your two, team. Was this 2019, I uh, think, later this, on? Yes, that's right. It was just a few months after Orlando. And I went in going, God, I really need a fleece. Like, you've really got to show me that this is right because of the cost that I know. The moment we say yes, I know what's to come. I don't even fully know what's to come. I just know a little bit of what's to come. And... Um, and I, all I can say is that I went into the meeting kind of with a little bit of that Gideon unbelief, which really Gideon's fleece was such an unbelieving fleece. And um, I came out um, in the fear of the Lord. And it was, it was not this question of could, could we or should we. It was that this is not an option. Um, if we don't do this, someone else will. The Lord has spoken. He is absolutely going to pour out his spirit at Arrowhead Stadium. He is absolutely putting a bullseye on Kansas City. There is 20, over 20 years of day and night worship and prayer in this city. And God is absolutely going to answer those prayers. And I came out of that meeting in the fear of the Lord going, this is not an option. And uh, we just set our sight towards Kansas City, not knowing COVID would hit. But all of that has only actually increased our faith for what God is going to do in Kansas City and Arrowhead Stadium. So real quick on this one. So here you are. You say, okay, the sand. The Lord brings this team of six or seven or eight, like Lou Engel, guys with real large ministries, big profiles, uh, quite a bit older than you, a number of them. Yet they have chosen you to be the team leader though they've had a real big footprint in terms of impact and years older, how did they choose you to be the leader of this? I mean, I know how. You tell how. Your humility and the call of God in your life, I just answered for you. Well, the real, the real story is maybe they just knew it would have to be miraculous if I let it. It was just leaning into the miraculous power of God. God would they do something is, that couldn't be blamed this, on man sort of yes, thing, Yes, right? exactly, yeah. No, that's not true. Okay. <laughs> the, the thing that we see in Andy uh, is... You know, you, you, the Bible talks, warns about not giving too much to a young man, um, you know, because the, the pride can come in. And we saw, I think all those guys see in Andy, like God, by his grace, it's not Andy, it's nothing that, that special. It's, it's God's grace on his life. Like, you know, we see him as, as Frodo, you know, the guy that can carry the ring. <laughs> Like, Andy is Frodo to us. Like, you know, where other oh, guys... Who are you? Who are you then? Who... I don't know. A bald Gandalf. <laughs> no! I want to be one of those cool guys. I don't know. I forget their names. But uh, the... anyways, but um, I'm, I'm Schmeagle. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it really is this sense of, I think he can bear this without being tempted by that power to make it his own. And I think that's what we see and we yeah. so rarely see in church culture, sadly. And so I, I believe that's why guys aren't afraid to say, here, take so this giant thing. Humility, but you have incredible leadership skills. Oh, you I was say incredible about, team. No, in, well, you do, but incredible leadership skills. But we'll move on, Pesson, Thank because you. you don't want to keep talking about that. But So can't, one more sentence on, on Arrowhead, then we're going to shift gears. 
Arrowhead started as a gathering here in the region. Then it's morphed because of the delays. Now it's a national, international gathering. And you gave a sentence to me some months ago. You said, we're calling. I don't know exactly what this means because we never finished the conversation. You said, we're calling nations, the globe together, or something like that. Give another sentence on that. Yeah, one of the words we had in prayer for Kansas City was that there truly was a global procession leading oh, to procession, Arrowhead Stadium. And of course, we knew some of the history of the words over Arrowhead Stadium and the procession word that Bob Jones had. But uh, as we prayed into that, we felt there really was a global procession. It was the nations who were coming to gather in Kansas City for a breakthrough that would, of course, affect Kansas City, but it would affect America, but it would affect the whole world. And um, I was stirred by the fact that uh, 50 years, almost to the day that we will be in Arrowhead Stadium, which is about 11 months from right now, hopefully June 4th or June 11th of 2022, is almost 50 years to the day of Explo 72 which in many ways was a crescendo gathering of the Jesus movement. As far as I know, Expo 72 was the first stadium event in Christianity that wasn't an evangelistic per se. Right. Meaning there were Billy Graham events, bring your unbeliever and hear the gospel, yeah. but Expo 72 was meant for Christians to gather. That was yes. the first one, I think, in the world in terms yeah. of just Christians gathered for discipleship. Expo 72 in Dallas. The second one was Kansas City, in the July 1977. So yeah. those were the two first gatherings for discipleship reasons of the body of Christ. Incredible. And Expo 72's vision, I think, is lost in the story sometimes, was the re-evangelization of America in the next two years and the completion of the global Great Commission by the end of the decade. And of course, those were lofty goals, but I think God wants to put lofty goals back into the body of Christ. And the urgency over the re-evangelization of America, which means more than, you know, evan unpack evangelism as much more than what we might traditionally think of evangelism. We're talking a reawakening of the church. The dis uh, we're talking a discipleship movement, but of course it hinges on the gospel message. But we are in an urgent hour for the re-evangelization of America, and at the same time, God is setting our eyes to go, it is unacceptable that there would be 7,000 unreached people groups 2,000 years after the gospel has started to move forward. So could it be that Arrowhead Stadium is a generational gathering like Explo was, which has nothing to do with a send or a brand or an organization. This has to do with a global movement that God is releasing of the great commission of the gospel. And so we're believing that what will come out of Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City is absolutely a wave of evangelism across America unto another great awakening in this nation. And the greatest activity towards the great commission and these 7,000 unreached people groups that we've ever seen in history. We need to hand a different reality to the next generation, and Arrowhead Stadium is about that. So uh, for those who don't know what Expo 72 is, <clears throat> again, it was in Dallas. It was under Campus Crusade. 50,000 people came. Billy Graham was the main speaker, but he didn't talk and he didn't give any a salvation message. He gave a discipleship message. So that's 50,000 in Dallas, 72. Then five years later, 50,000 in Kansas City. That was a John 17 unity. It was Episcopals, Methodists, Baptists. All the denominations came together in the spirit of John 17. So it's evangelism. Go win the lost in 72 and do it together in 77 in Kansas City. And the send is bringing both, both. of those it's messages be both. together. Yes. I love it. Yes. 
Hey, did you know the Chiefs won the Super Bowl? Right? You know, I am a mega Chiefs fan since we set our eyes on Kansas City and the same Kansas City immediate Chiefs fan. Oh, anyway, I don't know how that slipped out. But anyway, uh, shifting gears to the John 17 reality, Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago, and we're praying now that the Lord will raise up a supernatural, it will take the supernatural power of God, family dynamic in the church. And this is going to come to a head in the end time church right before the Lord returns. There will be a supernatural dimension of unity in the body of Christ across the earth in John 17. But Jesus said that on the Thursday night before he died on the Friday. But on the Tuesday, he gave Matthew 24 and talked about that generation as well. And he said in that generation, and he gave several passages on this. I'm not going to go into it. There would be a betrayal culture. There would be a significant uh, emergence, and I mean horrible, a betrayal of one against another, even in the church, in contrast to the supernatural family dynamic. And I believe the betrayal culture that's in the culture but will hit the church is going to actually be the context of which the supernatural unity will come. And this is something you've got so much passion about, this John 17 unity and the Lord has really grabbed you, Francis, and talked about loving the whole church. The Lord gave me a word back in 1990 in a real powerful encounter. I won't go into it. But he said a phrase that I've used. He said, I'm raising up an international family of affection. And so that's a soft version of John 17, an international family of affection. I didn't even understand it, but he was crystal clear. And so... John Wimber talked all, many times, used the phrase, I love the whole church. We have to love the whole church. And when I look at you, Francis, you came from a context where you were trained to love truth so much that relationships sometimes was down the line a bit. And though you love the truth equally, but you have somewhere in the Holy Spirit brought the loving relationship and loving the truth and the third thing you say is loving purity. Those three things, bringing them together uh, in this dynamic uh, relationship without sacrificing one for the other. And so these last couple of years, you've really been on a mission to call people into that supernatural unity without uh, giving up truth or purity. So talk a little bit about that. I got written here. Yeah. I've heard you talking about that. Ephesians 4.1, all these kinds of subjects. Oh, gosh. You, you know, so, so one thing the Lord has graced me with is a fear of him. At the foundation, at the core, which the Bible says, it's the fear of the Lord. That's, that's the beginning of wisdom. And too often we want to skip that and just jump to Jesus loves you and offers a wonderful plan for you. You know, it's, you, do you understand who we're talking about when we say Jesus? And so because of that fear of God, when I look at the scriptures and fear of this heavenly father of mine, and I believe it's an appropriate fear that God has given me. Not, not like, anyway, anyways, when I look at his scripture and, and I meet someone like Mike, that as I get to know him, I go, that is God's son. Mike is God's son. I have enough fear in me not to gossip about a son of God. I mean, you wouldn't be stupid enough to gossip about one of my children in front of me. You know, as, as a father, 
And so, so there are these things that God, by his grace, has given me like, hey, that's my son over there. That's my daughter over there. And it's like, oh, no, 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 okay. That's your son. I'm going to treat him with honor because he is your son. I think your son is off on a couple of things. But even if I talk to him about those things, which you probably want me to talk to him about those things, I'm going to do an honor and love, and I'm not going to bash him. And, and there are just certain things that God has shown me throughout the scripture of his desire for unity. Like the, the John 17, this is our chance. This is our chance. We are in this crazy time on earth where the church, sure, in America feels like it is losing. And I think there's a reason for that because he says the one thing that will work is you coming together and when you become perfectly one, then the world will start believing that they are going to be judged and that you are going to be saved. That's, that's Philippians 1, 27. It's like, whoa, are you kidding me? Like, unity is that strong? That is our power? And, and so you, you, you start going, okay, well, I do this out of a fear of God, but it's also because I want to see a change in this world, and it's not happening, but now as we've been coming together, I'm starting to see it. It's, it's not the, the thing about God's commands, sometimes they seem like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm happy in my little circle. Just like oh, when we were young and we go, ooh, I love following Jesus, but I don't like these commands. The older you get, the more you realize, whoa, those commands led me to life. I am so grateful for that. And so now as I've partnered because I see what God has told me to do biblically and I don't dare, you know, say, oh, okay, that's a brother of mine, but I'll keep him at arm's length because we disagree on this theological point. No, I'm called to love him like Christ loved the church to that extent. And then when you start pursuing that and everything that's happening this week is this is really fun. I used to be one of those pastors because I grew up in that generation where you felt like I've got to be the most, the, the biggest biblical scholar in my church. I've got to, you know, so you're studying like crazy, trying to be the smartest guy in the room. I got to be the most compassionate counselor. So it's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry about your cat. You know, you, you're trying to, you, you're trying to be all of these things things, that apostolic leader that can set everyone in motion, like it all rests on you. And now it's like, you know what? I love being in that room this week because I'm going, okay, I don't have the history, the Bible knowledge. I thank God for my, it's not a competition. I don't have words of, of knowledge like Chris. It's like, oh, I'm so glad. You know, I don't have the, the leadership capabilities and the structure, you know, and oh, it's just so nice. I don't have to be everything. And I can just play my part. I don't even have to lead. I just go, you guys, tell me where I fit in. Tell me what I need to, even this morning, just meeting Isaac. I met him before, but I, I didn't remember him, but I'm easily forgettable. But hearing his story and everything, I'm going, no, 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 no. This is central. Andy and I were just talking last night. We were missing this. And then as as you had him Amazing. share, I'm so glad you had him share. I'm going, I'm going, this is it. This is this is Frodo's buddy, whatever his name was. You know, this is it has to uh Sam No, no, it really but but there's peace that comes from this. 
because it's not competition. And it's like, I don't have to be the scholar. I don't have to be this. I don't have to, you know, even David Slyker this morning was sharing something with me. I'm saying, I'm so glad he knows that. Please teach me this. Then I don't have to read about it. You can just summarize. Like, there's a piece to this obedience where you don't have to feel like you have to do everything. And so the blessing in unity of YWAM, keep doing what you're doing. IHOP, keep doing what you're doing. You know, everyone, you know, we don't have to compete. We don't have to, but we come together and say, oh, I'm so glad. There's a, there's a sense of completeness and a sense of power. Just, you mentioned Dave Slacker, and I was just thinking of him and people in his age and older Tell them who Frodo is. I don't think everybody knows. I don't. It's from Lord of the Rings. Oh, um, what did he do? Well, I mean, tell Dave. I mean, you know. Uh, it's I don't know. I don't really get it. I I, I watched the movie a bunch of times. That's the only thing I got was okay. like he uh, was pure enough to 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 have the power of this thing that wasn't meant. Oh, to so be Frodo's his. a good guy. Frodo's a great guy. Okay, I think. I don't know if he was Christian, but uh, he, uh, he was entrusted with with this be, to destroy it. it. It was to destroy it, right? You would know better. You're younger and. Uh, and, but everyone else wants this power. And so they, they know it's not right to have it. It belongs to Christ in my mind, you know, but we try to take it for ourselves. Good. But he's no, given perfect. responsibility. I just didn't quite get the, I laughed when you said Frodo. Yeah, 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 well, I just like <laughs> yeah, the words you use sometimes. <laughs> um, that was from first service. <laughs> but, uh, well, we're in the back office and I said, Francis, I want to tell you something. I said, we've got an Andy Bird sitting here, and this guy is like him. He is loaded. And so I told that, to, and, and I said, leave me alone, leave me alone. And I said, no, you got to tell your story. And it touched your heart. Oh, it did. This guy's amazing. It's his heart for the church and his ecclesiology, his understanding of what it ought to be. Because I really believe there's something about the house of prayer and how I didn't grow up like this seeking God's face and wanting to know him. Youth group was not, that was never brought up. You know, it, it, that's not why you went to youth group, but now to see a younger generation actually wanting God, like wanting to be in his presence, you praise God for that. I did not grow up in a YWAM generation, at least in my church, where we're thinking about going to the ends of the earth and using our life and spending it being sent. I'm like, wow, that is crazy. And, but we were, we were last night talking about, but there's this missing piece of, it's, it's too, it's too, uh, it's, it's the church, the church. The church is not supposed to be what it's been. Of, and so we will have a negative view of the church and that needs to change because new churches need to be birthed that are, that are birthed in, the, in a biblical way and, and people need to be in love with the church because I am more in love with the church than ever before. And so when he shared his story of being one of those guys, it's like, yeah, forget the church. There was that, that mode of- Some years I, ago, he was yeah. saying, I'm tired of A and B and C. And the Lord says, oh, really? And then the Lord told him some new things. But that was the attitude. shifted him over. It's, it was, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. That was the attitude. And I'm going, that doesn't make any sense biblically, um, but I don't know how to get there. And so I do believe that there's a peace that he holds that is so key 
And again, it's amazing. Yeah, it seems like it. I'm looking it's forward really to getting true. home. <laughs> yeah. So you were talking. I'm gonna go back to the Unity thing because Unity is so much bigger. We say Unity, that's cool, but you're talking about something supernatural, something sacred. Those are your terms. It's sacred. It's way bigger than Unity. It's incredibly. It's historic when believers walk in unity together in more than just the superficial way. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to make just a quick comment on that. You know, hearing your guys' story, Francis and Andy, and your friendship, and I'm listening to this story and your guys' YouTube video that you have about this unusual friendship. What's the name of it again? Just so everybody unlikely knows. Friendship. An unlikely friendship, yeah. And I'm wait, watching wait, this. Wait, a second. They made a video, it went about an hour, on April 9th of all days this year, they made a video together, an unlikely friendship. You get on YouTube. I've watched it very carefully. I thought, this is incredible. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we have a strong value for the forerunner message here and seeing what God is doing in a first fruits type of way in the earth. And I think that what the Lord is doing through the two of you and your friendship and your families and your, you know, your wife up here sharing and talking about Andy's wife and, and all these things is a precursor to what the Lord wants to do across the whole body of Christ. And he is doing it to a measure. It's not the first time, but I'm taking notes. I'm paying attention to it. And here's why, because in Romans 15 verse five, it says that the God of patience and comfort would grant you to be like-minded. In other words, the unity that we're after, that John 17 unity, like-mindedness, uh, one mouth, one heart, one mind before the Lord that Paul talks about is something that is granted supernaturally by the Lord. We can't come up with it in a strategy room somewhere. And we can't just spend enough time together shooting guns and eating barbecue and fishing to accomplish the level of unity that That's Jesus is talking about in John chapter 17. And so as you guys are sharing your story, the first service this morning, even I'm just so struck by this. The Lord is supernaturally releasing a unity and a like-mindedness of heart and will and this complementary type of friendship through you and through us and through many others that is so profound and significant. And I, I think it's more than just, wow, that's a cool story. You, you guys are buddies now. We as a prophetic people need to pay attention to what the Lord is doing through these two men to take notes and to ask God, because Paul's praying in Romans 15, he's praying that God would grant them something they can't get on their own. And that's just one of the things that is gripping me. We need to contend for this to happen more and more and more in the body of Christ. So uh, Francis was talking a few moments ago and he said that, you know, uh, he can't say negative things about me, blah, 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 blah. But we're going back five years ago. This is the context where he legit hears real, I mean, seemingly credible to him stories about me being way off. So the, the mic he doesn't want to talk about is a guy that he's heard stories is way off. So it's not Mike, the friend, five years later. It's, so he comes to one thing thinking it's real possible we're way off. But he's coming because he says, no, I want to honor the body of Christ. I, I want to come there and be on God's team. Maybe I can be helpful, but I want to be honoring anyway. So go back five years and drop that line in because it's different today sitting here. That's not what he's talking about. Then he sits in the room the first day. 
The Holy Spirit drops this sentence in him, something like, you know, you know, welcome home your family, something about family, I can't remember exactly. That's supernatural because he's going, no, no, that's not exactly right, Lord. Yeah. Then he goes to, to Andy's place, he told, we told the story in the first service, and says, you know, in essence, these are your children. It's like, Lord, no, Lord, wait, these two guys really aren't? But that's the supernatural that dropped in their spirit because it's easy to do it with the church down the road that's the church he planted from his other church. There's no problem doing it with that. But it's outside the box. He dropped it in your spirit. That's what you're saying. And the supernatural is not comfortable. Yeah. And it is not convenient. And it is not always what we would choose. Yes. It's and obedience. Exactly. And I want to say to your point, there, there, there's a cost to obedience. Okay. You gotta understand, like, I, I was in this world where, yeah, I would jump into some charismatic streams and some evangelical streams. I was kind of this golden boy of, wow, he kind of speaks to everyone. But then once I went to IHOP, people were like, okay, now you've gone too far. And I seriously lost this group. But then I go, no, 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 no. This is a son of God. I'm not, I'm, betray me if you want. It, I'm not turning my back on him, okay? And then, but I still had a, I still had a good basis listening, listening until I went to the send. Okay, then the rest of them were like, okay, now you really crossed a line. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I'm not turning my back on them. This, this is right. And this pursuit of unity, no, it is, there is a cost to it, but but it, like everything else in scripture, and some of you may know believers that you almost, you're almost ashamed of it. Like, I don't want anyone to know that I have a friendship with Andy Bird, and my, you know, whatever. And then you don't do that to one of God's children. And so if others get angry at you for this, you don't divide the body of Christ. This is sacred. This is a sacred family. This is the body of Christ. You don't chop, you know, you don't see Jesus walking down the street and ah, I'm going to cut one of his fingers off. You're, that's crazy. You, we, the Bible calls us the body of Christ. And that doesn't mean everyone's going to stand exactly where you are theologically and everything else. And doesn't mean that these guys don't have any sin in their lives. But I'm also tired of this culture that will, will go, oh, Francis Medworth, Eric Metaxas, Mike Bickle, Andy Bird, you know, uh, Chris Reed, um, uh, Fish, Ken Fish, you know, and I know what I'll do. I'll find something wrong in each of their lives. I bet you there's a sin in each of them. I bet you there is too. I bet you I can find something stupid that one of them said, and then that squashes the whole thing, and then I'll make some video about it and go, oh, look what he said here, you know, and, and let me just divide them up. And so then you start getting scared to align because now you're not just looking for my sin, but if you can find sin in Andy, then, then now you can, can cancel, cancel me yeah. because of my friendship with him. If there's one statement that Mike said 40 years ago or something that's off, oh, now that, so then you get scared to be unified with other people. I'm like, enough of that. These are children of God and I fear him. So I just want to say it again. When he says, standing with them. This is before we figure out whether these things are right or wrong. This is before that, the commitment. I want to stand with you, and I think it's possible 
There's some real weird things you think, but then something's bigger than that. It's not throwing truth out the window, but I'm gonna still be honorable, and I haven't sorted out whether this is true or not true. So that's where, to me, it's really noble because it's easier after you get answers. You go, oh, well, that makes more sense. But this was pre that. He took a stand to be honorable. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I remember watching the one thing where... The one um, thing conference. Yep, where Francis... I was at the first one where Francis was and heard him speak a little bit. But I'll never forget watching the second one, the one right after that that Francis went to I think with it was a bunch of my friends. Then I think, think so. Think. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, Francis, at the end of the time, turned, you know, or the, maybe at the beginning, turned to Mike and just said, I just want everyone to know I love Mike Bickle. And I, I just remember my friends and I looking around going, unbelievable. Because that like, would cost him. We understood uh, that. We just understood. World. And I want to say, too, you know, for it's not for me, like when Francis comes and is like, I think I'm going to work with YWAM, we won the lottery. You know what I mean? That's not hard unity for me. I didn't pay a real price for unity with Francis Chan, all right? <laughs> there was not a sacrifice. People wanted selfies with you after that, didn't oh, they? Oh, I, I, and the number of people that asked me if I can get Francis to speak somewhere. <laughs> so so it was, that was not hard unity, right? But Francis paid a tremendous price. And I look at a leader who, was, who is older than myself, a leader who has massive influence across many of the streams of the body of Christ, and to be willing to pay that price because of friendship and a conviction that we've got to have a unity stronger than the division, the current that is running against us right now. I just, again, it spoke to me of Francis's character, and I was in awe. I was in awe when he said, I love Mike Bickle, because I'm like, I love Mike Bickle. We, we love Mike Bickle. Well, Francis loves Mike Bickle. Come on. Yeah, it was so easy. Okay. It was so easy, yes. And, and what it did to a young generation's heart to go, if Francis Chan will say that, knowing the price he's going to pay for saying that, do we have anyone in our lives that we don't have an excuse to unify with? Do we have anyone in our lives where the cost is too high that we shouldn't be willing to walk in unity, to lay our lives down, to walk in selflessness? And I think God raised Francis Chan up as a prophetic sign that it is an hour where we must move into a unity stronger than the current of division raging around us. Yes. And uh, the admiration I had for France went to another level. Then it was just a year later that he was with us saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then at the sand, and I knew the cost, and I'll never forget, it's the last thing I'll say, I'll never forget talking to Francis after the sand. And I felt bad. I'm like, Francis, I have demolished your reputation, and that was not my intent. <laughs> like, like, I knew that the, the letters that would come, the emails that would come, I knew that as soon as the send ended and some of the ways that, that, that all that rolled out and the photos that were taken, everything, I just knew. And I called him, and I said, Francis, I'm so sorry. And he said, Andy, you never need to apologize. You never need to apologize. I am committed to relationship. I am committed to unity. I am not. I, I don't, I'm not regretting what I did. I do it again for the sake of unity. And I was undone again at yeah. the price that France is willing to pay. But the example that is to all of us. Excellent. And well I want to make sure well for those who are listening, watching, because I know you guys are kind of with us and you're amening this. And there are a lot of people who are not. And what they are going to say is, see, there's Francis. He wants unity at the cost of truth and purity. And I'm going, that is, that is so a lie. Good. That is, that is a load of, uh, 
lie. Um, it, it is uh, it, it, a load of lie. It's an expression in Chinese, um, and and it is uh, it is uh, no. It's I, I am sitting between men who love the word of God and are fighting for truth. Yeah. Not, we're not saying, oh, we want unity. It doesn't matter. Truth doesn't right. matter. Right. No, they love truth. And it is not a couple guys that are like, oh, we don't care about holiness in the church. Because that's the reputation sometimes that, that people from my world have of some in the charismatic world. Oh, they don't care about holiness. They don't care about truth. And they don't care about the poor. They just extravagantly think it's all about prosperity. And, and I'm going, no, these guys have sacrificed they they live a holy life they remind me of Jesus and that's why I want to partner with them uh, again many of you get it some of you you might not that in the non-charismatic world there's millions in America they love Jesus really against the gifts of the Spirit and most of you know that but some of you might go why because you grew up in a charismatic setting but they're really energetic because they love truth and they think it's really hurting Jesus millions and his platform grew to millions in that world so that's why he would lose because he had this incredible prestige and tremendous following of millions in that world. So to step over and say, I think these things are real, a lot of folks over there didn't mind, but many of them go, how dare you? How dare you? That's why it was costly to him. Our but, world, yeah. it's not a problem yeah. hanging out with people who don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit because we wink at each other. They go, oh, they will. Just give them yeah. a little time. Yeah. And so that's not a big problem. Not a big problem. So we're really yeah. easy meeting on the other side, and that's what you meant by it didn't cost us anything. He made our worlds really richer. Yeah, because, okay, and here's the thing, is there's some truth to my world that I came from where we'd see some of the excesses and go, wow, that's so off. But then we labeled everyone that way and assumed no one studied the scriptures, no one cared about this. And, and, and I will say this, that because I want the church to come together, I will beg those of you in the charismatic stream to think through, you know, make sure you know this book and study this book. That would help so much knowing that you were committed to this word. And that's what helped me so much when I saw and met these guys. The other thing I would say too, about those who, you know, in this world, maybe feel this freedom of prosperity and like, and that, that, that hurt our view of you. Some of the evangelists that we knew were just spending an absolute fortune upon themselves. Like, oh gosh, that doesn't square with, that's kind of like weird. Like, even if God prospers you, why wouldn't you give it to the poor? I just want you to consider that type of lifestyle not saying you don't have the freedom but would you consider sacrificing some of that that would just help bring the unity if if you thought about that so we got a couple more moments and then we're gonna bring this to an end so things got more complex for francis so he comes to the one thing conference we happen to have matt marr the really great worship leader but he's catholic so not only is he coming to the charismatic false prophet movement, us, he's, the Catholics are on our stage too now. Now we got Kessel, now he's up there with Catholics and people who do crazy prophecies. So he's up there and, and then he does this outrageous, beautiful thing. Andy said it was really a picture and a model and Isaac called it forerunner, it really is. He kneels down in front of the Catholics 
that are leading worship, because these guys are born again, love Jesus. That's who they are. It doesn't matter what title's on them. And he says, would you forgive me for my attitude? I mean, there's 20,000 people in the room and hundreds of thousands watching this and some of his friends who get angry. How dare you bow down on your knees to tell those people you're sorry, you're caving in, Francis. Then, to make it worse, Francis here meets Francis over in Rome. He goes to Rome and meets the other Francis, and those guys, and the story goes everywhere. Francis and Francis, and you can do the math on who I'm talking about. They now, well, it's not like we go bowling or anything. It, I, I just, I just, it, he just, Open my. I, I, it's not like we're friends. It's not like unlikely friendship. Hey, Francis, let's do a video. Uh, it, it's just. I. I just. What, what happened? And it started with Matt Marr, the worship leader. I didn't know he was Catholic. You know, we did this conference together called Passion, and we we're working together. And I find out part way. I'm like, how could you be Catholic? You know, like, uh, you know, you wrote your grace is enough. That, that you don't even believe that. You know, it was just, and. And then it was here at the, the Catholic stream that I'm, people are blowing my mind because I am meeting. And again, I'm not saying I understand it all. And, and there are still some issues in my mind that I need to work out with them. But there were some believers that I go, whoa, they really love Jesus. They are trusting in his blood for their salvation. They, they are filled with the Spirit. I can't, again, out of my fear of God, I can't ditch them. I can't, in order to save my reputation, go, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't like those guys. I'm going to no, know. I, I met some sons and daughters of God in the Catholic Church, and I'm not going to turn my back on them. See, some asked me, they said, how could you have these Catholic people up there? I go, listen, if they love Jesus, I mean, for real, and obey him. I mean, as much as we, you know, endeavor to do that with all of our heart, they value the ministry of the Holy Spirit and they honor the written word of God as the final authority of faith and practice. I don't care what sign they have on their building. I don't have to join their ministry, but I'm going to stand for them. And that's the same thing, because that's how I answered them. I go, if they do those three things, love Jesus and obey him, they value the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and they will honor the authority of the Word of God as the final authority of faith and practice. How can I tell them, because they genuflect, they do things, they do some other things, how can I get rid of them if they do those three things? And you say it a little different, but it's the same basic points. That's where we got to go. We don't have to join each other's ministries, but we, I mean, these are the body of Christ. I got two more statements to ask you about, and then we'll have to close, but I want to give you the final word after we're done with this. You said the other night, I love that you said this. We were up here on, I think it was Friday night, and you said, some people take pleasure in mocking the people that, they, that are in error. And you said, I came from some groups, and some of them found pleasure in actually mocking believers who believe things like, oh, can you blah, 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 blah. And then you took it, and we all kind of laughed, and, and plus some, we laughed, did a little bit more. And then you said later, you know what? I'm not comfortable with us laughing about even some of the ones we're talking about. And he called us, he checked us all. And we went, you know what? We all, I missed it. He missed it, he missed it, he missed it. And I so appreciated Francis going, yeah, I don't like them mocking people, but I don't like you laughing about them. 
This thing goes two ways. It's not them and we're the good guys. We all have to do this at the foot of the cross. I, I love that you did that. Make a comment well, on Well, it was in light of Luther and the way that Eric Metaxas explained how, gosh, this led to, there were wonderful things uh, that, that came from Luther, but there was some also some things during that period that led to a chaos of a dividing of the church that just continues to divide and divide and divide. And it was just like, well, one person says this, and then he says this back. And it wasn't meant to cause this rift and to divide the church, but it happened. And in the same way, there are well-meaning people, possibly well-meaning, um, that may post things, you know, or whatever you do, you TikTok them now, or whatever you do, you know, but you just immediately say something because you think you're standing for truth, but it also causes a rift in the body of Christ. And, and I'm just saying, we gotta be careful with our words. I mean, this is a fire. Every time I speak, it's like, oh no, God, please don't let me say something that's gonna divide the church. Please don't let me say something that lift me up or that is defending me. No, no, let me say something that doesn't glorify Jesus because this is a fire. And so now that so many people have the potential to start fires online and, and you don't even see the selfish ambition in it sometimes of, ooh, I want to say something profound. I want to add to the, 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 the conversation. I want to make one of those videos. I want more followers. But you don't realize by doing what you do not under the power of the Holy Spirit but for whatever ambition is in there like you have to be so careful with your tongue because it can destroy and rip apart the unity that Christ died for so James 3 verse 5 says this it says how great a forest oh is set aflame yes. by the speech the whisper of the mouth a small tongue says something and it keeps morphing in a great forest fire of destruction. And so that's James chapter three, verse five. It's really true. Little whispers, whether they're on social media or we're in the back room, can morph it when the enemy blows on it and a whole forest is destroyed and a lot of homes go down with it. Last statement I'm gonna ask you, you said this a number of times, I've heard you in person and on video. We think we know more and we get more truth because we're smarter we're closer to God, we're more spiritual. That's why we have more truth, and that gives us the moral high ground to put other people down. Mm. So comment on that, and then yeah. Isaac, you'll have the last No, I actually comment. said it better than that. <laughs> I, I said, no, because there was a time when I thought, I'm right, everyone else is wrong, and I, and I come from a, you know, a tribe that thinks that way, and, and I had to ask myself, at some point, God just enlightened me, like, why are you right and this person wrong? How do you know that? Is it an intelligence thing? Is it because your IQ is higher? Well, if your IQ was so high, how could you come to that conclusion that truth is based upon intelligence? Because if you study the scripture, you see there's more to acquiring the truth than just the smartest guy is gonna exposit the Bible the best. There's something the Holy Spirit does. Well, then I have to go, okay, well, maybe I'm right and you're wrong because I'm closer to the Holy Spirit than you are. Um, like, like I'm asking everyone who thinks their theology is right and mine is wrong. I'm going, how do you know that? Is it because, is it because you're more intelligent than me? It could be. Or is it because you're, you're more you're closer to the spirit than I am? Or is it because you're more humble than I am? Because God would give grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. 
And so for you to really, if you're going to be on this, I'm right, everyone else is wrong, I have to ask you the question, why do you think that? Is it your intelligence? Is it because you're closer to the Holy Spirit? Or is it just because you're just so much more humble than I am? You know, this is, I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong. I'm just saying there are some things to consider. We can just naturally think that our opinion is so great without thinking, why do I think my opinion is better than everyone else's? So that's the social media. And we're doing it on yeah. social media now, but we're whispering in the back room. Yeah. Hey, actually, that was better. Okay, okay. Isaac, last comment. Yeah, I think, uh, I think just sitting here listening to you guys share, I'm struck uh, by your courage because you're not ashamed to call the family of God the family of God. And there's a difference between family and friendships. Mm. And friendships can come and go. But once you cross that threshold and you look across the body of Christ, you look at the church down the road, you look at the other stream, you look at the other political party, and you go, no, you're family. You're making a deeper commitment there that you can't back away from. Family's forever. And if our father is a father, which he is, and we're his children, the Lord is calling us. And here's what I want to do. I want to call us, those that are listening here, to the courage that these and others are exemplifying, particularly Francis. Francis, I'm so struck by this, the courage, the stand you've taken. I want to personalize this for this kind of crowd, okay? What if the Lord sends spirit-filled Democrats into your life? What are you going to do? How are you going to receive them? If they have the same three values that Mike just talked about, the Word of God, fighting for the Holy Spirit, you know, da, 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 I can't remember all three. I'm not Love that smart. Jesus, yeah. Love Jesus, yeah, that's an important one. <laughs> what are you going to do? Because if... If the, if the political thing, if the democratic thing is dividing the body of Christ and that conversation is more germane to us here and our stream right here in this room. Francis has taken hits for that stand. What happens when the Lord sends those people into your life? And guess what? I bet he already has, but you don't even know. Because you, don't even, you haven't even gotten together with them and talked with them. And the body of Christ, in particular the black church that votes 80% Democrat, were willing as white evangelists to write them off, that vote Republican, to write them off and go, well, they're not even believers. They're not even in the faith because of the way that they vote. Okay, I'm, getting, I'm getting into it now. And I want us to... I want us to ask God for a like-mindedness around Christ, not our political views, but a like-mindedness around Christ that would break down divisions of politics, race, streams, and affiliation in the body of Christ because at the, the hill we want to die on is the beauty and the supremacy of Jesus. That's the hill we want to die on. And there is so much division. And we're listening to Francis up here and going, wow, Francis, that's so amazing. Yay, you're finally on the good team. You're finally getting it. Okay, I'm being crass, but you're finally getting it. What about us? 
What if God sends embarrassing family members into your family that you don't really like everything they do and the way that they do it? Are you willing to contend, like Paul did for the church in Rome, Romans 15, 5, for the God of peace and comfort to grant you and me to be like-minded towards others in the body of Christ? Because we like the, the stream that Francis came for, that doesn't cost us anything. But there are relationships right here in this church, right here in this city, that are costing us things, and we're backing away in some cowardice. And our lens is a little bit skewed, and I am challenged and provoked by what Francis is sharing here, because there is a cost. Now it's more real. Now you know the cost, maybe a little bit more, and I want to ask that the Lord would release courage for us. We're going to end with that. I'm going to pray for courage. We're going to, let's just stand before the Lord. Now, we were, we were going to cut this quite a bit shorter and have Chris Reed come and minister, but he was here this morning in the back room, and right before we came up, he got a phone call that one of the elders in his home church died. So he got in the car, and he went eight-hour drive. He's going straight home. But he'll be back in a couple days, you know, for the, those uh, three days next week. But uh, that's why he left. He was so ready to minister. He goes, I'm so excited to be here today. And he had to leave right out the door. And so, Lord, I'm asking you for that family that Chris is going home to minister to. I ask for the grace of God, the peace of God. I don't know the situation. But I ask you, Lord, to speak, and even use Chris to speak, but use others to the heart that would give strength and courage and comfort. And Lord, here, and for those that are watching us, even by archives, yes. and months or years later, I ask for a spirit of courage. The Lord, that we would make personal the story we have heard that, that Francis has told, and that we love the story because it didn't cost us anything, but as Isaac said, Lord, these family members, these church members, these issues, give us courage with tenderness. Yes, I ask you for courage with tenderness. Courage with tenderness. Not know-it-alls, courage, even if we're right on a point or two, tenderness and humility with courage and a teachable spirit to find out things we're not right about. In Jesus' name, we ask you for that. Amen and amen. amen. Tuesday night, the Myanmar prayer meeting. Wednesday night, the healing service here with the children. Thursday, Friday, here with the whole gang that's been here, all those uh, leaders. Saturday night, the send. Amen and amen.